Well, good morning, Valley family. Uh, Welcome to week number four in our series that we're calling Chasing Carrots. Next week is going to be the finale uh, of this series, and uh, it's going to be actually a Sunday when we dedicate our kids to the Lord. A number of parents are going to be doing that. So we're going to have the finale in this series, and we're going to talk about intentional generosity in terms of great times, really great times to be generous with your kids as parents. And sometimes it's the wrong time, the wrong way to be generous with our kids. Sometimes we need to understand what's really the important things to be generous with our kids about. And so that's going to be next week in our finale when we have kid dedications uh, at at all of our services on Sunday, Uh, intentional generosity, parents towards kids, and we'll be looking at that great message coming into the holiday season especially. But for today, uh, we want to look at what what I call, I, I think this is the, one of the most important messages about financial freedom uh, that I've ever given before. And, and it, the reason is because it just shares the heart of what's really behind giving uh, in the Valley family, what we're all about, why we do why we, what we do. And so if you have your Valley app, go ahead and open up. And uh, while you're doing that, big shout out to our Poughkeepsie Valley family. We love you guys. Uh, so excited, you know, that how we get to just reach more people because we're in multiple locations. Also, our online campus, hundreds and hundreds of people every single week joining us through our online campus. Big shout out to you as well. And uh, the Valley family, that's why we say one church, multiple locations on any given weekend, literally hundreds of different locations around the world because of our Poughkeepsie campus and online campus, so we love you guys so much. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we've looked at this, this has kind of been the verse, the framework, if you will, uh, of this message series called Chasing Carrots, and uh, the, the framework is from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, and the Apostle Paul is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a young pastor, and so he's, he's encouraging, he's coaching up this young pastor about specifically, as we've seen, uh, the mindset that those who are rich should have. Now, I, I know the pushback always is, well, I don't feel like I'm rich. I know so many other people that are more well-off than I am. Did some digging this week, pretty interesting. Did you know that if your household income, not individual, but if your household income is over $44,000 on an annual basis, you're in the top 1% wealthiest households on the planet. Just by $44,000 combined household income puts you in the top 1% wealthiest households on the planet. And so we're rich. We really are, uh, by far, a majority of us. You know, the average household income, for instance, in Dutchess County is $70,000 a year. So, so you can just see, just in our area alone, how really rich we are. And Paul, God's speaking to him and through him, to you and to me, to this young pastor, Timothy, and he talks about those who are rich. And look at what it says, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 19. Command those who are rich, that's you and me, household income above 44,000, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, to put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God doesn't have a problem with you and I having stuff. He has a real problem when our stuff has a grip on us. And so here it says, God who richly provides us with everything for enjoyment, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, we've talked about this in weeks past, and to be generous, and look at this, generous and willing 
big word this week, willing to share. Willing to share. And then it goes on and says, in this way they will lay up for themselves, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And so, you know, I, I gave that kind of averages $44,000 a year uh, household income combined, wealthiest 1% of households on the planet. Uh, but biblically speaking, who's rich? The definition throughout scripture of rich is real easy. Here it is. You have more than you need. That's it. Rich, wealthy is simply you have more than you after everything's paid, you got a little bit left. You got more than you need. And so willing, there's a big, huge difference, and that's what I want to talk about today. There's a big, huge difference between being willing and feeling uh, some sort of uh, obligation. There's a big difference between inspiration and obligation. There's a huge, huge difference between I get to be generous which is the commandment of Scripture, I get to be generous or I have to be generous. And I just love the Valley family because the overall, the overarching heart in the Valley family, y'all are so generous, and it's not like I have to do this. It's not obligation, it's inspiration. We get to do this. And look in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. So that's the title of the message today, willing and able. That, that God is working in you, God is working in me. One of the ways we know we can, we can be assured that God is working in us by the Holy Spirit is that we become willing and able to obey him, willing and able to follow what, what he outlines to us, his instructions. And so let's talk about willing. What, what does it look like to be willing? This is really willing and able, this combination we find here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I wanted to take a look at what historians still, not even biblical historians, but just world history, historians say is the largest offering ever received in human history, and it took place in the Bible. The largest offering ever received in human history. And, and the timing of this is when the nation of Israel, uh, they had a tabernacle, which was portable church, if you will. They had to set up, tear down every place that they went. And, and then God laid it upon David's heart. David wanted to build the temple, a permanent place. And God said, no, you can't do that. You know, your hands are too stained with blood. I'll let your son do that. And so David, King David said, well, if I can't build it, I'm going to make sure all the resources are just waiting for my son Solomon to build the temple. And so he, he speaks to the nation of Israel, and they have this huge, huge offering to build the permanent temple to go from portable church to uh, a permanent church, if you will. And so uh, we're not having a big, huge offering. In fact, uh, did you notice we had the offering before the message uh, because that's not what this message is about. It's like, let's have a really big offering. That, that's not the purpose of this at all. But let, let's learn a couple of things because when you catch the spirit of, of really what was in the heart of David and the nation of Israel at that time, it, it's not this is something that we have to do. This is something that we get to do. This is inspiration over obligation. They did it willingly. And, and so let's look at this. First Chronicles chapter 29. Uh, we'll begin looking at verse 3 and 5. I'll just walk our way through this and, and make some points. 
Moreover, David is speaking here, because I have set my affection on the house of God. David said, my heart, my affection, my passion is for God's house. He says, I have given the house, I have given to the house of, uh, of my God. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure. Now this is amazing. David says, you know, this isn't from the national treasury. He says, this is from my own special treasure. And, and he begins to talk, and, and he says, I've given special treasure of gold and silver. And he goes on. Now, who is willing to consecrate for himself today uh, to the Lord? Now, it's really interesting. You go back to when, as David, and he's going to talk about all the stuff that he gave. And if you monetize this today, now check this out. This is crazy. Uh, historians have monetized what David gave, and he spells it all out there in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It would actually, in American dollars, be a $21 billion offering personally from David to the nation of Israel to build the temple. $21 billion. There has never been a personal financial gift in human history larger than that. He personally gave what would be equal to $21 billion today, largest all-time offering from one individual. And then it goes on in verse 6, 1 Chronicles 29. It says, Then the leaders of the families and the officers of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands of commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work, watch this, gave willingly. David went first. David gave $21 billion of assets and then, then the rest of the leaders went, and they gave also willingly. And it goes on and it says, And they gave toward the work of the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and hundreds of thousands of talents of iron. It goes on and says, Anyone who had precious stone gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehel the Gershonite. It goes on. The people rejoiced. Watch this. They, they gave willingly. And look, and they rejoiced at the willing response of the leaders, inspiration, not obligation, for they had given, look at this, freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, David the king also rejoiced gladly. In other words, when they did this offering, this tremendous one-time offering, it wasn't like, oh man, all right, whatever, here it goes. They were like thrilled. They were excited. This is what we talked about last week. You know, debt is bad. Savings is good. Giving is fun. And stuff is meaningless. And so they're given their stuff and their joy is joyous. And it's fun. Not because they had to, but because they, they get to. And, and this willingly, you know what they were basically saying was they were saying this. I love my church. I love making a difference. I love changing lives. And they gave willingly. Not because someone was making them feel guilty. Not because condemnation. Not because pressure. You know, strong-arming people willingly. Not obligation, but inspiration. They gave willingly. And then 1 Corinthians 29, 17, the Bible says, all these things I have given willingly with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy, this is David speaking, how willingly your people who are here have given to you. And that's, that's the whole motivation uh, behind generosity that we think is so important here at Valley is willingly, willingly, that we give willingly. 
And, uh, you know, we don't ask you, I know some churches year after year, you got to write out a pledge card, you know, and all this stuff. We, we don't do that. In fact, uh, next year will be 45-year history of our church, 45th birthday, anniversary of our church. There's four times in 45 years that we've ever had, like, special fundraiser for the sake of the church. Only four times. Think about that. Averages less than every 10 years. Every 10 years. What we like to emphasize is just willingly, willingly being generous, and you are. You're incredibly generous, Valley family. And, and it, it makes a huge, huge difference. That's the spirit of Valley. That's the giving spirit that we believe in willingly. Willingly. And so, uh, in some ways, uh, well, let, let's look. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. When we give willingly, see, you can actually give and not be willingly, and, and it doesn't really make that big of a difference to God, no matter how big the gift is. In some ways, God's not watching what you give, but he's watching the heart behind what you're giving. It's absolutely vital that we remind ourselves as a church, not what we do, but why we do what we do. Now, now here's, here's a statement, and I hope if you don't Remember, anything else from this message, if there's only one thing you remember, I hope you remember this, this, this statement because this is, this is huge for every area of life. We're talking about financial freedom. We're talking about generosity. This is huge for every area of life. Are you ready for it? When people lose their why, they lose their way. When people lose their why, they lose their way. When, when we just keep doing what we've been doing and we don't ever we forget about the why that we ever started, we begin to stray. We begin to lose our way. Listen, this is not only financially when it comes to, to, to financial freedom, when it comes to generosity. We have to remember our why or we're going to lose our way. This applies to every relationship. This applies to marriage. Listen, if you don't remember why you married your spouse, you will lose your way. You'll lose your way. You'll stray if you don't remember the why, if you lose sight of the why. This past week, actually, was my birthday and uh, on Thursday, and thank you for all the love that, that so many uh, showed me, just shout-outs and, uh, uh, you know, just wishing me a happy birthday. But the day before, on November 20th, uh, that was actually 32 years since my wife Susie and I had our first date 32 years ago, November 20th, 1987. And, and you know, so I put up a, a sappy post uh, on Facebook and Instagram on my profile there. And, and I do that for a reason. One, because I, I'm crazy. I love my wife more today than I ever have in my life since I've known her. But, but also, it's just so important, I know, to remind myself of the why. Why did I fall in love with Susie? Why, why on that first date was my mouth all dry and my knees were shaking and I was like, uh, 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 you know, why? Because if we lose our why, we'll lose our way. And, and a lot of people in their marriage, they've lost their why and they've lost, their, they've, they've lost sight of their why and then they lose their way. Listen, this goes for pastors. This is when, this is when a passion that God put in your heart and called you to be a pastor, uh, this becomes just a grind and it becomes a job because you forget your why and you lose your way. This happens to churches. Churches so busy doing all kinds of stuff, but they forgot their why and they lose their way. This is so powerful. When people lose their why, they lose their way. And so 
What I want to do right now in this message is a little different kind of message. Uh, I, I want to just uh, share with you today <laughs> why Susie and I give. Why, why Susie and I, years ago, as individuals before we were even married, and, and then when we got married as well, we were like, this is an important part of our financial future and financial freedom, why we choose to be generous. And uh, I'm going to share with you like six, seven things, and this might not be your why, but I want to share with you my why. Uh, as your pastor, as your pastor Susie and I, why we give. And, and maybe you have different things that you'd put in those blanks, but, but you have the blanks there in your Valley app, and hopefully you're following along with us uh, on your Valley app. A lot of things that we're looking at, talking about today, uh, I think you're going to want to look back on. So, why, the why for Susie and I behind why we give. First of all, out of obedience, just, just really obedience. I know that's not a real popular word nowadays, uh, obeying God, you know, or anything, but, but really, I love obeying God. I, I really do. There's no other way that, that I can actually put that. Uh, the reality is, for Greg Williamson and Susie Williamson, every blessing in our life is the result of saying yes to God. Saying yes to God and saying no to the things God wants us to say no to. And that's what obedience is. Saying yes to God, what God wants and no to everything else that he doesn't want in our lives. And, and so we choose to give. Susie and I choose to give because the one who gave his life for us instructed us to. He tells us to. And so the first reason why we give is just because it's obedience. No other reason, just because Jesus who gave everything said, give. Give and it shall be given to you. Give. The, the second reason is joy. Just straight up, it, it brings great, great joy. And like I said before, last week, you know, giving is fun. Giving is supposed to be fun. Can I put it this way? I like the way I feel about myself when I give. You know, sometimes I'm driving down in a neighborhood, and, and there's a, you know, a lot of the little kids in our neighborhood, and, and they'll be, have like a lemonade stand, you know, by the side of the street, and there's, there's like uh, two, two guys sitting there, two buddies, and they're selling lemonade, uh, you know, and it's like uh, 10 cents each, and, and I'll stop, and, and I'll say, hey, uh, could, could, you, could you pour me two of those? And they're like, Really? Because, you know, I'm like, yeah, I want to bring one to my wife. Lives down the street, you know, to our house. They're like, okay. And, you know, they, they're holding, like, the little Dixie cup, and they're pouring it, and, like, their hands are all dirty, and his thumb is, like, down in the cup, and he's pouring the lemonade, you know, and it's shaking and all that. And, and, and they're like, here you go, you know, and just like I said, just uh, the whole board of health would be all over them if they saw them. And, and, uh, and, and so it's 10 cents each or something, and then I'll, pull, and I'll just give them, two dollars because I want both of them that's two one dollar bills you know like holy cow you, you know and and I drive away and and you know what I pour it out and I throw the trash out the, the cups out and I just tell Susie about it afterwards but but you should see those guys they're jumping around like one dollar like whoa it just makes me smile because here's the thing giving is fun it brings joy I like how I feel when I give but you know what I don't like how Greg Williamson feels when I'm stingy I don't like that, Greg. I, I like the Greg that gives. It brings great, great joy. Because Jesus said, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's a greater blessing to give than to actually receive. Here's, here's the, the next reason why Susie and I give, because of covenant. 
covenant. And, and I know, again, that's not a word that's used a lot uh, in our day and age. Covenant means simply this. I give up my own personal privileges and I take on responsibilities for your benefit. That's what covenant means. I, I stop seeking what's best for me and I put your best interest ahead of mine. And see, that's what God has with everyone who's received Jesus Christ and his sacrificial, his, his sinless life, his sacrificial death and his resurrection as their Lord and Savior. We have a covenant with God. And, and we have a covenant with God and we have a covenant with you as well. And I just want to say this. Uh, because I'm in covenant with God and with you, uh, I have never been more devoted to Valley Christian Church than I am right now. Never in my life. And Susie and I, we, we, we love you so much. That's, that's why we're here. Uh, this is the first church that I've ever pastored. And, and listen, Valley family, this is going to be the last church I ever pastor. We're, we're, we're in this thing for the long haul. And, and we're devoted to you, Valley family, we're devoted to this community. I mean, I was talking with someone recently, and, and they actually asked me, they said, why are you, we're having dinner, and they said, why are you so passionate about, like, children's ministry and student ministry in our church? I said, because Greg Williamson was one of the kids back there. Because I was a kid in the student ministry in this church. Not, not only that, but our oldest daughter, Michaela, who's now pastor of preschool ministries, she was in the nursery in this church. She grew up in this church. Jasmine Francis grew up in this church. The next leaders of this church and the next leaders of this community and the next leaders in business and, and, and finance and, and government, those are the kids that are in our nursery right now and our Valley kids uh, and, and in Valley Student Ministry. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Because Susie and I, we, we have a covenant with God and we have a covenant with you. And, and let me say this, uh, if you'll let us, Susie and I will spend the rest of our lives just keeping that covenant with you and keeping our covenant with God. We're 100%. This isn't a job for us. This is life. This is our passion right here in Dutchess County, pastoring this church, sharing our life together with you. That's why we give. That's why we give. I'm in covenant with you. And we love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And even recently we were, we were looking at uh, funeral arrangements. Not because either one of us are in bad health or anything, but, but we've, we've finally, like, this is, this is the cemetery we want to be buried in. Right on Route 9 in Poughkeepsie. Because this is our home. You're our family. That's why we say Valley family. Because I'm in covenant with God and I'm in covenant with you. Next, next reason why we give is the vision. I love the vision of this church. I love the vision of this church because I really believe in the vision of our church, of Valley Christian Church. And we've talked about this uh, in, in weeks past, back in September. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's what we're all about. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That is the focus, those four focal points of everything that we do here at Valley. And, and, and I love how generous Valley is. You know, we're a part of uh, ART, the Association of Related Churches. 
one of my favorite days every single year is that, that some, one of those days between Christmas and New Year's when I get to, on behalf of the church, make a donation to different organizations that we financially support. And one of those is ARC, the Association of Related Churches, that have actually planted over 500 churches in America, started over 500 churches in the United States of America in less than 15 years. And they have over a 90% success rate. And so some of, of your generosity goes every single year to ARC, the Association of Related Churches. You know, I was doing some figuring, and again, I just love the vision of our church. I love what we're about. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and making a difference. And you're making a difference, Valley family. I, I, I went back to uh, some of our statistics uh, in our church. Do you know since 2015, 716 people have received Christ as their Savior for the first time through Valley services? Through services here at Valley Christian Church. Just since 2015. Sadly enough, that's, that's when we started keeping a record. We didn't even keep a record up until that point. Who knows how many, literally thousands and thousands through the years. But, but just since 2015, it's not that long ago, four years, 716 salvations through you, Valley family, knowing God, people come, coming to know God, finding freedom, discovering their purpose, and making a difference. Our vision is not for tomorrow. Our vision is working today. Our vision is not for 20 years down the road. Our vision is for today, and it's working. And I love the vision of Valley. That's why I give. You know, even today, Operation Christmas Child, as we're collecting these shoe boxes, do, do you know that just since 2016, the Valley family, this isn't people from outside, this is just the Valley family, have packed and brought and given over 4,000 shoe boxes to Operation Christmas Child. That doesn't count what's going to come in this weekend today. Over 4,000, that represents over 4,000 children that are not only opening that box and experiencing and feeling the love of Jesus Christ, but also hearing about the love of Jesus Christ in their own language, in a little flyer, a little brochure, or pamphlet that Operation Christmas Child puts in there as well. See, I love the vision of Valley, and that's just a sample of, of the generosity and what we do, fulfilling that vision, helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It's happening. It's been happening for years and it'll continue to happen in the future. That's why Susie and I give. Also, I just got to be honest, because it's a blessing. <laughs> it's a blessing to give. You know, I, it's not the only reason why we give, that, to, to receive blessing from God, but it's a big part of it. In fact, God said, it's okay to give. I, I don't think it should be the number one reason why we give. I'm going to give to be, you know, to receive something back. That shouldn't be the motivation. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God put it really, really clear. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so Susie and I give because, you know what? God also blesses it when we give. And so we give to position myself, to position ourselves with God's blessing and God's protection. Also in Malachi right there, God said that when you give, when you tithe, that, that word tithe means 10%, and Susie and I have done that for years and years, uh, given 10%, actually we average about 13% uh, of our income that we give back to God's work uh, in and through the Valley family. And uh, 
God said, actually, he says, listen, you put me first and you tithe, you, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to rebuke the devourer. So it's not only blessing, but it's also protection. The devourer that's just eaten up all your stuff and your finances, God's going to say no, and you have protection from that. You could check that out sometime in Ma- Malachi chapter 3. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10, the Bible says, give generous to them and do so without grudging heart. What is that? What's the opposite of grudging heart? Willingly. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I really want God to bless everything I put my hand to. How does that happen? Not by God bless everything I put my hand to, through generosity. Through generosity. God says, if you're generous and willing, not grudging heart, willing, because of that, the Lord will bless you uh, and all the work that you do and in everything that you put your hand to because of blessing. And then also, uh, I just want to be an example to you. I'm never, as your pastor, going to ask you or expect you to do something that I am not already doing. That's called a hypocrite. That's hypocrisy. And so I want to be a good example, to be an example. I want to be an example. Just just a couple weeks ago, actually, uh, staff gave me a, a little... Uh, it's called word art that, that uh, uh, as a gift in appreciation for me. And, and I think we have a picture of that. Can we put it up? And, and, and I know you may not be able to read this, but this is like personalized uh, from the folks that, that work for me. I was blown away at, at, at the words on here that, that they came up with. And, and you know what one of the words is? I don't know if you can see it right here. Generous. Generous. I, I, that, that, I was moved emotionally by that I went up and as soon as the meeting was over that they gave that to me and I I hung that up in my office right on the wall that that made it right on the wall and and I tried to take down a little Yankee memorabilia to put that up there but this is more important to me than even the Yankees because you know what one day when the Lord calls me home I I, I think about what what are people going to say about Greg Williamson what are they going to say about Susie and Greg Williamson. You know what one of the top things is that I'm living for? I want folks to say, you know what? He was generous. Even as a boss. Even as my boss, he was generous. That just meant so much to me. Because I want to be an example of generosity. I want to be an example of generosity, not, not just uh, in, in the way that I lead the church, but personally and even to the staff as well. You know, I, I, it break my heart, could I put it this way, it break my heart for someone to leave my staff to go to work at another church because they're going to get paid more. I don't want that to happen. Now, those of you who, who are on staff, don't, don't go asking me for a raise. That's not what this is about, okay? But, but, I pay the folks that work for me real well, best as I possibly can, because I want to be generous. I I don't want them to like, oh no, I I, I could get more money somewhere else. I don't want that. I want to be an example of a generous boss, a generous pastor. Here's another reason, devotion. Just out of devotion to God. You know, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, One day, every one of us is going to stand before him. 
And you know what I'm living for? I'm just devoted to Jesus. I'm not a perfect man. I've got got a lot of flaws. Hopefully, you know, now I'm getting a little bit older, maybe they're not as glaring and, and maybe they're, you know, that, that stuff that I struggle with, you know, like everyone has some struggles. Maybe they're a little bit more watered down, don't have as much pull on me. But you know what I'm living for? More than anything, I just like to picture sometimes, you know, and I think God's going to give me a long life with a lot of years in the future. But one day, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass from this life to the next. And I like to think about it sometime, and this is just somehow how I imagine it. And maybe you don't, maybe it's not theologically correct, but this is my imagination, so you've got nothing to say about it. I just imagine one day, when I go from this world to the next, and I'm in heaven, and there's just a crowd of people that, that kind of like the crowd just parts. And then I see Jesus standing there, and he's standing there, not like Abraham Lincoln, you know, Lincoln Memorial sitting on some big throne with a you know, old shriveled up face. But I just imagined the crowd parts and, and, and Jesus is standing there and he begins to walk to me and I begin to walk to him. And he just embraces me and I embrace him. And he whispers in my ear, well done. You did good. I'm so proud of you. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm living for. Just being devoted to him to one day here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Being willing to give, willing. Not out of obligation, but inspiration. Not because of something that we have to do. Susie and I always, we get to do this. We get to do this. And now let's talk about being able to give. Being able to give, because you know what? The problem with the way that giving is presented in so many churches is this. We've developed a generation of spontaneous emotional givers. That, that if, you know, if the lighting's right and the music's right, and boy, we, we create a compelling video that's going to move people's hearts emotionally, they'll give more. The only problem with that is there were no videos in the Bible, So it's not about emotional, spontaneous giving. I think we do a disservice to people and we keep them stunted in their spiritual growth when we appeal to emotions to give financially, to be generous. The Bible lays out a very different perspective when it comes to our giving. And that perspective is being able to. Look at what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously, this is talking about finances, will also reap generously. Each of you, watch this now, should give what you've decided in your heart to give ahead of time, what you've predetermined ahead of time. Not not an emotional trigger response to a video or music or lighting or anything like that. But, But decided ahead of time in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. There's no emotion tied to it. You know, like, oh man, we're planning on giving this, but after they showed that video, oh, we're going to give this instead. For God loves a cheerful giver. That's willingly and able. God loves it when we, when we give and when we can have fun as we give. 
And, and so this is predetermined, predecide. But watch, it doesn't end there. It says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever gives generously uh, will, will reap generously uh, what you've decided. And then it says, for those who have predecided, the predeciders, watch what it says, then you will be enriched. Those who have determined ahead of time, this is what I'm going to give. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So, this is why, can I put it, this is why we always have the offering before the sermon in our services, because we don't want it to be an emotional thing. We don't want it to be like, wow, that sermon was really good, I'm giving more. No, don't. Predetermine, predecide. Recently, Susie and I, this past summer, uh, actually it was in the fall, we went, we're going down to a conference down in Dallas, Texas, and uh, we knew there was going to be an offering at that uh, conference. And, and so even when we were in New York, before we even got on the plane, we talked about how much personally out of the Williamson's finances we wanted to give in that offering. And we decided it and, and ahead of time, and Susie wrote the check, and when there was an offering time, we, we put it in the offering. And just this past week, uh, the, the president, the CEO of that organization that ran that conference called me personally, and he said, thank you so much for what you gave. I, I can't believe that you, you, you and Susie did that. And I just want to personally thank you. You're going to get an email later on, thank you, but I wanted to personally thank you. We decided before we even got to the conference, this is how much the Williamsons are going to personally give toward, towards this great organization that's putting on this conference. And so that's, that's the thing. You decide ahead of time. And then you know what? You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in great thanksgiving to God. And, and that gentleman just picked up the phone and called me. He's like, thank you, Greg. I can't thank you enough. And I said, well, we decided that before we even got on the plane. Because that's, that's the way to give, no doubt about it. The pre-deciders, pre-deciders will be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And, and what does it mean to predecide? It means three things, real quickly. First of all, it means intentional giving. We need to be really, really intentional in our giving. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 12, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offering were put. This is a crazy story that happens. Uh, he's in the temple. He sat down in the place where the offering was being put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple. Think about that for just a minute. The Bible says Jesus went into the temple, and he sat down, and right next to where they're putting in the offering, and he's like watching people come in and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. He's watching who is given what. And it says, many rich people threw in large amounts, and Jesus saw that. But a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And you know, uh, in modern, again, modern money, that'd be like she, she put in one dollar. That's it. It was translated into current currency. And then in verse 43, it says, Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. And he knew who gave what, how much they gave, because he watched it. It says, They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. And so she was intentional. She decided ahead of time that what she was going to give. What an emotional trigger response to a message or a movie or anything. Predetermined, intentional about giving. 
Second thing is, if we're going to be able, is, is about percentage giving. And the Bible teaches all about percentage giving. Percentages matter to Jesus. That's why he said she gave more, because she gave a greater percent of the whole of everything she had than those who had a whole lot gave even a lesser percentage. Percentage giving, that's what tithe is. Tithe in the Bible is 10%. That, that word, it doesn't mean 9% or 11%. It means 10%. It's a percentage that the Bible, all throughout Old Testament and New Testament, God speaks about percentage giving. Percentage is wise. It, it's the wise thing to do. And isn't it crazy? In the United States, the wealthier uh, individuals are, the smaller percentage they actually give of their income. The most generous are middle class to lower class people give percentage-wise more than wealthy people in America. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says, If anyone builds on a foundation using gold and silver and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because that day, the day in eternity, when Christ returns and we have to give an account for everything, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. God's watching how we handle the stuff he's trusted into our hand. And goes on and says, if it's burned up, the builders will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. For some of us, we, we give generously to, to things that have no eternal value whatsoever. They're not going to make a bit of difference when it comes to eternally. And that's the next step, eternal giving. That we need to be intentional in our giving. We need to have a percentage, decide ahead of time. This is the percentage of my income on a monthly and an annual basis that I'm going to give. And I encourage you just, just try to raise that percentage on an ongoing basis. Because it's all about eternity. Eternal giving. What, what matters, what really makes a difference in eternity. One of the things Susie and I try to do in our personal finances and giving, and this is why we give to Valley and we give to other organizations, we try to give to organizations that aren't only concerned about someone's body, but they're also concerned about their soul, about eternity, that do both, not just one. But, but, but just like Operation Christmas Child, they're concerned about their, those children, but they're also concerned about their bodies physically, but also spiritually as well. And they help them in both areas. And so, here's the, here's the last statement, really kind of the conclusion of this message, because we want to be willingly, willing givers, not begrudgingly. But here's like the, the framework, the big thought. God has blessed me with more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the life of others. That's the, the biblical perspective on generosity. I'm rich, I'm wealthy because I have more than I need. So, so what should I do with it, Lord? Make a difference, an eternal difference in the life of others. That's what God's after. Intentional giving, percentage giving, and eternal giving. That's the, te that's the teachings of Scripture. That, that's the, the way that we need to handle what God's entrusted into our hands. So I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, that gives us really clear instructions about how to handle what you've entrusted into our hands, how to manage what you put into our hands. 
And Father, I pray that, that Lord, there would just be even a greater sense of joy and fun and willingness like never before in the Valley family when we give. Lord, I thank you for, your, your, for the generosity of your people in the Valley family that are really, because of their generosity, Lord, helping others to know you, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. Father, the, the blessings that we receive, that's just kind of like the icing on the cake compared to the changed lives and the transformed families and marriages, Lord, that we see on a regular basis. And so, Father, I pray that you just help us, Lord, to be real intentional with our giving, be percentage givers, and to really keep eternity in mind when we give, Lord. Thank you that you've blessed us with more than we need and so that we can make an eternal difference in the life of others. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you may be here and you haven't given much thought to eternity before because you've never taken that first step of faith even. Forget about eternal difference and generosity. Uh, you're not sure what's going to happen in eternity for you. Well, the first step of being generous is receiving how generous God has been with us, each and every one of us, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to, to give all that he had to live a sinless life, to die a sacrificial death, and to pay the price in full for your sin and mine. He rose from the dead. That's how we know that. It's paid in full. And the Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, if you've never done it before, I just invite you to open up your heart to Jesus and invite him to be your Lord and Savior. You can repeat this prayer after me right now. I just invite you to, even in a whisper. Just say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. And I receive Jesus today as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Jesus, I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen.